Well, 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 look who's back. It's First Off You're Wrong, a podcast by two dudes that are smart enough to see problems, but too dumb to figure out how to fix them. I'm Luke, with me is Jeremiah. Hi. Last week and the week before, we did Calvinism. This week, we are doing Calvinism. Get over it. Next week, we're doing Calvinism. (laughs) The week after, we are doing Calvinism. All right? Isn't that, we got two more weeks of this? Possibly. Possibly. We'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, any announcements from last week? Not really. People, the 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 most recent video I posted uh, gained some traction, and then I had one guy just he just commented heretic. Oh, that's <laughs> good. On me, literally just paraphrasing a Bible verse. <laughs> oh, oh! So he actually gave you a Bible verse too on why you were no, 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 no. I, I, I. The video that I posted was me paraphrasing Romans nine. Oh yeah. And then okay. on the screen was what I was paraphrasing. So you could kind of follow along, and then all he comments is heretic. There you go. And then I had another. I, I no one saw. I don't know what is up with Instagram, but have you noticed like it hides comments from yeah people? Lots of comments. Yes. I don't. I guess it's because if they don't follow you, you can't like um, it. It's not. It hides it's, the so comments. So it's not that because on my other account. People that don't follow me, they can they can do it. But it's like I had one guy the other day that said, "Dude, I love your videos. They're funny." LOL, and that was hidden. Yeah. But then all these other people that don't follow me that they'll comment and say, "You're a slumlord and I hate you." Then that goes on. It's okay. Yeah. No. Does no that make idea. Any why. Sense? I don't know. Maybe don't it's know. the accounts. I don't know. But this guy, his name is Doctor Nougat. I'm not doxing him because it's a fake account. <laughs> Doctor Nougat. But it says that doesn't make Paul right. And so I commented underneath, I think I'll trust the man who is literally instructed by Jesus over Dr. Nougat, even though I'm a big fan of your work with the Snickers bar. <laughs> and I thought that was the funniest joke I have ever made That's in my life. That's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> Hit it with a disclaimer. All right. As you guys know, this podcast is mainly opinion-based. Of course, as Christians, our utmost authority is scripture. However, a lot of things we talk about aren't necessarily covered Uh, strictly by the Bible, or they might be gray areas in the Christian life. Our goal is to make you come away thinking about things you may not have thought of in the past, or thinking about new things that you haven't thought of before. With that said, Luke, I said the same thing twice in a row. People know what I said, know what I meant. Let's just keep going, pretend I didn't. That's fine. I'm not editing it out. We already know what people are wrong about this week. (laughs) People are wrong about Calvinism! What short recap you have... Three minutes to recap everything we've talked about thus far. Okay, so we went over the history of it two weeks ago, and that was... You can go listen to the episode. I'm not going to recap that. And then last week, we got through um, T and U, and then there was also an S in there, which sounded for the sovereignty of God. The T is for total depravity. The U is for unconditional election. Sovereignty of God, kind of self-explanatory. Total depravity, we are dead in sin. We're not just kind of like, oh, we're bad people. No, we're dead in our sins. We cannot come to Christ. There's no way because of the original sin of Adam. And then you, which is unconditional election, God at the beginning of time chose who he would save or who would be saved. And those people will be saved because God ordained it. And that is it. Not by any unforeseen merit in man but exactly. by the common grace of his heart there is nothing pretty much what just goes to the whole thing of calvinism which is it has nothing to do with us whatsoever it has to do with the grace of god and how amazing the mercy is that he shows on his elected people yeah so after is that stew, good enough that was pretty good <laughs> after <laughs> stew we have blip I was. I thought about that, right? Blip, little Stupid. blip. Well, I'm the going problem with is, L. The problem is we're not going to go with B first, so I was like, we could do lip. 
Um, that's okay. We'll figure it out <laughs> as we go. We'll, <laughs> yeah, so let's dive right into it. So we got limited atonement next. Do you so which is the L. A lot of people fell into or fall into the category of four point Calvinist. Yes. Where they say, Yeah, I believe in the four points, but I don't believe in limited atone uh limited atonement. Mm-hmm. Um did you ever fall in that stage where you where maybe you didn't understand what was being said with limited atonement or when, you just disagreed with it or you were maybe fed bad information about what it was saying? It's not that I guess not bad information I was fed. It was the 10,000 foot view of it, which is yeah. just a shotgun approach of limited atonement. It is Christ dying for us and rising again was meant for only his elect. It's not meant for everybody. And so just hearing that right off the bat, like... Shocking. Yeah, it's like that doesn't... It, it, I guess especially, it doesn't... It doesn't especially pl- when it's said in that way. Right, and it doesn't play... Because I've heard play, it said that way right. before, too. And it doesn't play well with, like, what you're taught as a kid. It doesn't yeah. play... Like, Christ died for all sinners. Mm-hmm. and so then you're, But then you're told, no, no, his death and his resurrection are, are meant only for the people that he elected to be saved. Yeah. And so just automatically, again, we go back to the fairness thing as humans of what we look at as fair. And, um, yeah, I'd say that was something to struggle with. Um, but again, when you sit down, you have the patience to, you know, not only pray about these things, go through God's word and and look at what it says about these topics, you'll find that these, you know, obviously the definition that just happens in a two-second period can be shocking. But when you really dig deep into it, you find that it is true and it is good mm-hmm. what this is. I think a lot of people that I've, heard their issue doesn't come with the term with the word atonement it comes with limited because that mm-hmm. makes it seem like okay you're talking all about how god is sovereign over everything but then you limit him in his power with right. with the l with the, with that point so for me what what i had always heard with it is that it's it's the you know it is it is limiting god which is not true and you hear people change the L in limited atonement to definite atonement, mm-hmm. or uh, I think maybe absolute. There's another it's, one that people use. Uh, you mean to, for, for, a, a for different, L? Yeah, a different some, way of saying uh, particular it. redemption. Particular redemption. Mm-hmm. That's right. So when when I heard the word definite, that made it click more in my mind. Like, oh, I was not understanding what was being said in these verses. Or in this, with that section, and then you look at the verses that back up definite atonement, then you see, oh, okay, this is something that I don't think anyone could come up against. Right. Especially because I I feel like this is, this and total depravity are the most founded in scripture of the five points. Of course, of course all five are founded in scripture heavily, but... There are a few that are stated as explicitly as the total depravity of man and definite atonement. What, what, do you, would you disagree with that? Or uh, No, I'd agree. And I think that a lot of times the confusion comes down to, um, I heard it put very, very well, it was um, Calvinists are talking about the limitation of the extent of the atonement as opposed to Arminians that are talking about the limitation on the nature of, Mm-hmm. of the atonement. So mm-hmm. Arminians would believe more of Christ's death 
that is the way that it made a way for us to be able to be saved for salvation for everyone, but it secures nothing. Mm-hmm. And with Calvinist view of it, it is the security that we have that we are saved is through the death and the resurrection of Christ. We- that is our definite right there, boom, it's done, as opposed to thinking that it's more of just, that makes it so now we have the ability in our will to be like, I'm going to be a Christian, or I'm going to believe, or I'm not going to believe. Yeah. I um, I, I have a couple verses, of course, because we found this <laughs> I have a couple but, verses, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> There's only ver- like a thousand. First one I have is 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So Christ suffered once for sin. That definite atonement is that Christ's suffering on the cross is death, burial, and resurrection. It happened once. And in that, when it happened, it covered our sins. Mm-hmm. It was the payment, the propitiation, to use the the churchy word, for our sins. And if we were to reject what definite atonement is saying, then that opens the gate for a universalist theology. And if you follow it to its extent of, you know what, I don't believe in limited or definite atonement, I believe... That anyone who who you know anyone who wants to be saved, they they can get saved. What that is actually saying is not, oh well, whoever prays a prayer can get saved. That's not what the opposite of limited atonement is. It's everyone is saved regardless of their state with Christ. It's universalism that everyone is yeah. going to heaven. There is no hell, um, and and you can see that by looking at the other verses i first peter 3:18 is just kind of a quick one that people look at but you can also go to something like acts 13:48 and when the gentiles heard this they began rejoice, rejoicing and glorifying the word of the lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed so right there again those who heard rejoiced and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. It's not that everyone had the ability to believe, it's those who are appointed to eternal life. And if you want to take an Arminian stance on this, you can you could even view it as those who were those who believed in Christ in mm-hmm. general. Right? Of course I have my opinions and my foundations in this, but I, I don't see how the Arminian would look at the doctrine of definite atonement and say, no, I'm rejecting that. Right. It, it, it's so, it seems so uncontroversial to me. But yet it's one of the most, the biggest exactly. sticking points for most people when it comes to Calvinism. Exactly. Which is, which is extremely interesting. Um, again, it's, it comes down to Arminians believe that it's, it gives us the choice, while Calvinists believe that it secures us in the salvation. And I think that's the big, like I said, one, once you realize that, it becomes now a thing of, is this about you? Is this about Christ? And, you know, the whole thing, we've been talking about it for two weeks now, is that, our, that we believe that, and again, our Arminian brothers are not 
they're they're brothers. They're yeah. not. They're not. We not. We're not saying they're condemned to hell. the The point of this though is you're looking at your salvation through the lens of is it you? Is it the synergistic relationship between you and God, or is it a monergistic relationship, which is God does everything and we are just taken along with it? And we believe in the monergistic viewpoint of it because how in the world is as people with a sin nature, born with that, how in the world could we ever decide to be saved? Why would we ever decide to be saved? I think you said it perfectly last week with the free will comment. What does our free will get us? It gets us to sin. That's all we do with it is phone. Oh my golly. It's my wife too. And you know, she was really rude to me before I left. Acting like I leave and I never come back and I'm never around. And I looked well, at her. because you have to drive so far to get here. She did not say that. Oh, it's just a picture of my children. And, oh. uh, you know, they're I'll pretty, allow it. They're pretty, they're pretty cool. <laughs> my, you, didn't, you powered down your phone before you muted it. My, and so it was like, my, oh. my big, my big headed son. Uh, but anyway, yes. So I love you, child. Is he um, like, what, ninth percentile or something? Uh, 98th percentile for his head while he's like, 40th percentile for his like body and like length so it's like it's i was talking to someone for church and he's like well i guess he'll just be a really small smart person <laughs> and I'm like, yes that's right <laughs> five foot three humongous head but he that's... discovers something maybe maybe he'll have better <laughs> better uh talking points that's than gotta us. be a microaggression yeah so, so, something <laughs> like that uh, but it, also, like, okay, so like I said, free will goes to us wanting to sin. That's what it is. Um, and, you know, this that's where this argument just comes about is like, I, I just, you know, you look around at the world around us and like we had the conversation a long time ago about, well, do you lie? Well, do you, you know, have you ever hated someone? Well, have you, like all these things. It's like, and then people go, well, yeah, but I'm a good person. You point out these things and you go, okay, well, now you're a liar. You're a murderer. You're an adulterer. Mm -hmm. You're, you're whatever. You can go through a thousand things. And it's like, are you really that good of a person? And it makes you think like, no, I'm not. And I want to do those things. Yeah. Even as a secured Christian, someone that is secure in his salvation, I want to do terrible things all the time i just do and it's not great i don't i'm not happy about that um but it's it's just my nature and it's what and it but it has nothing to do with my salvation it's not saying like oh well luke is not actually saved because he still has these sinful thoughts no i rely on the security i have in christ and yes, I try every single day. I read His Word. I I go. I strive for obedience, and I hope that the Holy Spirit continues to pull me along in my sanctification. Because of course, I'm not a perfect person. But again, it just comes down to like: Are we going to be realistic with how we really are as humans, or are we going to, you know, kind of live in a fairy tale land and keep telling ourselves that how good we are? Yeah. Point on that too. The I, I this is off topic, but. Yeah, there's there's no way to bring it back to topic after this, but I do want to bring it up. <laughs> okay, I, I saw a clip on Instagram the other day. I think it was um, Destiny, you know, that streamer. I do. Um, I think it was him. I'm not entirely sure, though. But it was some atheist on Instagram who was talking about uh, talking with a religious person. And he he said, well, you know, as an atheist... You say, or as a Christian, you say that atheists 
you know, our, our morals. We can just do whatever we want and have, and, you know, go on our merry way. And he said, and that's true. You know, as an atheist, I rape as much as I want, which is zero. And that's, that was his point is that, you know, as an atheist, he, he, he does, he doesn't need the religious morals to restrain, with, uh, restrain his yeah, physical I understand what you're saying. being. But it's more than just the physical action, right? And it's more than a lot of times just singular desire, right? So you could say, yeah, I, I don't I don't I'm not I've never physically done that action. I've never mentally thought about that action. But mentally, you've had lustful desires about a woman in general. They may not have been violently lustful, but they were lustful. That still puts you in that same category of a totally depraved person. You are still a sinful person with that desire. The, the thought and the deed, the, the, uh, the physical expression and the heart expression are now one and the same in in the eyes of the new covenant in the eyes of of Christ. Right. So what can we do? What what can we do? What can a man do? Repent and believe the gospel. Yes. You can re- repent of your sins and believe in Christ. Going back to our topic, sorry. That that just <laughs> that clip stuck with me for a while because it's like he obvious obviously he's cherry picking things and okay, that's that's for him. His his morals that were dictated by the society he grew up in. I'm sure Genghis Khan had, or Kublai Khan, had, you know, a lot different societies that they grew up in. And now we have, what, one-tenth of every male on the planet is descended from Genghis Khan? Some crazy number oh, like I that. I know that. Or like maybe it's, it's, it's some insane number, like one-tenth or one-thirtieth <laughs> of every man. But anyways... Where were we? <laughs> I, just, more. I, got, I got more. So um, I think I, I think it was week one. We were going kind of do an overview of everything. I talked about because um, we, we were saying in the Calvinistic viewpoint of things that um, it's more of the of, yeah. of the atonement that Christ did. Um, and so again, something I heard put beautifully, um, Christ's. Um, death and resurrection, what he did is sufficient for all sinners, but it is efficient for his elect. And so let's go into I this. I like that, yeah. So sufficiency of it, meaning isn't like, because, you know, the Armenians would say, no, but look, it, it, would you admit that it, his that his death and resurrection, that makes it where it is possible for people to be saved? Yes. First um, John 2, well, for a better one, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, they sin his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Correct? Correct. I want a quiz chant. Uh, gold medal, eighth grade, regional champion, Alabama. Okay. First John 2, 1 through 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. For if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Is it sufficient? Absolutely. I don't think any of us argue that. Um, but again, it has to do with what what is it efficiently working with? It is efficiently working with those that God and the Holy Spirit have called. That's who it works with. 
Um, it, it it doesn't work with the guy that I mean it can yes it can save the unregenerated it, it can it can definitely do that but is it no it doesn't unless the Holy Spirit calls unless you're brought to God that's the only way it works so yes it is it does make it have it does have the ability for all people to be saved. But it doesn't. It's not necessarily meaning that. First, we're not universalists, like Jeremiah said. So not everyone is saved, um, and he did not do it for everyone. And it is limited in that respect. And again, it, it also, they, all these points tie back into each other. So it might seem like we're kind of going in a circle, mm-hmm. but it ties back into that point in Romans nine of God has set apart vessels of mercy and vessels of wrath, and in the end. Who is to look at the potter and say, "Why did you make me this way?" Right, right. And it, it oh, and I remembered the quote from last week, um, and it was a C.S. Lewis quote, and I did misquote it a little bit, but it's the the gates of hell are locked from the inside, and that was from C.S. Lewis. And the point of that is, yeah, even though God has set out vessels of wrath from before time, man is the one who in his actions and in his deeds locked himself in there. Well it's in um in that in the it's the parable where or this I guess maybe it was the parable. It was at least a story. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah. Rat Lazarus. Sorry. I can't I can't say things right I can't read, okay? Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's just how Oh, no, you can't read. (laughs) I can't. I can't. (laughs) Areopagus. Areopagus. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, uh, but it goes back to that story where where when the rich man goes, you know, if I could just have a drop of water on my tongue to quench my thirst, and then he begs and says, could I at least go and tell my family? And then he just looked at it and he's like, even if you told them, they would never believe you. Mm -hmm. That's. I mean, it's just, that's what it goes to. Man is just absolutely dead and when you said like when you said it last week i think during the podcast i didn't really catch what you were saying at all and then when i was re-listening as i was editing i was like okay i absolutely understand that and that's it's very true like even sitting there and being in complete and other just despair and torture and whatever it's like come to me no like if we have the choice no we're good Mm -hmm. thank you I mean, we, people do it every single day. It, it's, it can be right in front of them, God's saving grace, and they just say no. Look at when you go and you and you go door to door knocking and um, and share the gospel. Like people don't just automatically run; they hear the good news of of this man that came and saved us all, and who loves us, and who died and rose again and defeated sin for all time, and yet. No, I'm not interested in that. I'm good. I'd I, I like to I'd I'd rather do what I'm doing. I, I enjoy, you know, my escapades of life. Like I just rather do that. I don't need to do all this other stuff. It just kind of muddies the water of my life. Mm-hmm. They don't want it. They never will. Some of them will, never will. But you know, you, God can harden a heart, God can open the door to a heart. So it's it's not like it's just forever I, I mean, I, I was I have people in my life that now I talk to that are parents now when we were kids and they you know they were just some of the worst people like yeah I don't believe in God you know whatever this that and the other and and now 
they're going to church now they're they're guiding their families in righteousness it's it's possible for the holy spirit to call anyone and bring them to god and uh and once they're called um you know it's kind of hard to say no which leads us into i <laughs> <laughs> good segue you like that you yeah. like that all right i irresistible grace i irresistible grace i irresistible grace works i like the term effectual call effectual call is what you're effectual likes. call or but he's effectual wrong. calling so that's fine that, um, well, first off, you're wrong. Um, but irresistible grace is good too. Okay. I don't, I don't dislike that one. Um, and that, that is a. This one is a hotly contested one. This is this is one of the ones where I'm like, okay, if 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 I saw four point Calvinist talking about stuff like this or the perseverance of the saints or things like that, I'm like, okay, I can understand how you got lost on that one a little bit more, but. Um, basically what the effectual calling is, is that God will call those whom he will save, but man in his sin can resist that call, but God will win that tug of war. Right. So it, it, it can be, when God calls us to him, it can be resisted for a little time, but eventually God will win. And you see that we've quoted John 6, I don't know, eight times already in the yeah. last bit. But you can look at things like Romans eight fourteen. For as many as were led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Uh, you can go Romans eight thirty. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Yeah, that, it's that call. Go to the Greek. You can read what that. Uh, your dad went over this. I th- I think it was the w- which one was the verse you just quoted? Uh, that was Romans eight fourteen. Eight fourteen. Okay, now yeah. he was it was further. Before that, but yeah, yes. we, his or it was in Ephesians. Romans one. It was in Ephesians. It probably was. Yes, there's an Ephesians. Anyway, sorry. Um, and then First Peter one two, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ Jesus. Grace and peace be on uh, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Um, you know, so that's just an opening <laughs> of First Peter, but th- there's a ton of different ones, and we can I'll come back and hit a couple more over time but with with the idea of irresistible grace it's not saying that you know this is a a point where people say oh calvinists are just strict determinists they believe every every moment is absolutely fixed man has zero free will zero ability to do anything themselves but we do and again what is the choice that we have christ is calling, come to me. And we say, no, turn our backs, walk away. Well, at some point, you're coming regardless of what happens. And when it happens, it will be like a dead man being pulled from the water and made alive again. It will be like a cat being grabbed by the scruff of the neck and being dragged to wherever the mother wants to take it. So with our wills, like we are more, it's a more of an operational will. Like we, we have the ability to choose to follow Christ. Not like again, not the this. I'm not going Armenian on you. After going Calvinist on you for like the last three weeks, but it's we have we have the choice to obey, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we do because I can just not obey. Um, but we do. We have the choice to obey. But God, at the beginning of time, 
made choices for us as his elect that there's nothing we can do about it. There just yeah. isn't. Um, but we do have choices to make now. We are not just... Um, if you go to the synoid of Dort, right, mm-hmm. um, in the canons and that, you have a lot of it talks about the will because that was the whole thing where it was like, is are we just uh, blocks? Are we just, you know, a pup, puppets or something? And it's like, no, because puppets... That's complete control by something else. Mm-hmm. Everything's completely controlled then. And if we were completely controlled by God, our every single move, would we ever sin again? Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh, answer that question. And then but the, the, the yeah. Arminian would look at that, though, and say, see, and that means that man does have free will and that Calvinism is wrong. Well, man does have free will. But Calvinism is right. I think that we're getting. I think we're getting a, a problem of where the where the will can extend to. Look at this. We're solving five hundred years of conflict. Yeah, I mean, right like now this is a synoid of of uh, wherever we are. <laughs> Undisclosed <laughs> I almost, location. I almost said it. I almost said I had to By edit a the time. House. I had to I had to edit the one out where uh, I you docks. literally gave like uh, yeah, name, uh, address, uh, and social yeah, security everything, number. social security especially. Um, but it's it's where does the will extend to? And it's like, yes, we have free will in the choices we make, the things we do. You're right, we do. But what I don't, I don't understand. Really, it's like I, it's an understanding of why is it so frustrating to Armenians to be like, but when it comes to salvation, it's it's a complete monergistic action. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with you. I, I I I frankly do not understand that. I think that a lot of the Christian life has to do with trusting in god right it has nothing to do with me when i like i talk about when it's when you talk about being saved if like the first word that comes out of your mouth is i i'm gonna start kind of listening closer yeah i'm gonna listen closer i'm gonna question a little bit not question your faith i'm gonna question you though to really understand um your salvation and I, i just can't understand why it is so hard to just be like there are Almost every aspect of life, you have your free will. You're right. And like Jeremiah said last week, and the free will gets us into our sin problem. But when it comes to God's grace, when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to being saved, we don't get a choice in that. Mm -hmm. And it's already been decided from the beginning of time. And... I, I, it really, to me, to believe something other than that diminishes the power of God. It just does. Um, it, it diminishes all the things that he's done, all the things that are in the Bible, all the things that we worship about him. It diminishes it because it puts him on a level of like, I'm just going to let you decide. You just do whatever you want. Like, I don't really have control over that. And I don't know. Could we, could we at least, I mean, maybe we could come to an agreement with, with the opposition, like, could we at least, like, agree that he knows that you're going to decide it, but then he gives you free... W- I-, I don't know how to even describe that, how, how to how to get to that point. Because it's like, are we saying God doesn't know? And then at what point can you say, oh, well, God only interferes in certain points? Because you look at the Bible, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Right, right. God hardened several people's heart. Yeah. God opened several people's hearts. He literally blinded Paul mm-hmm. and said, you're mine now. Stop it. And 
it doesn't seem nice. It doesn't <laughs> seem like Paul had much of a choice there, but you do. Right? right. Paul, Paul didn't, but you do. Pharaoh didn't, but you do. Pharaoh didn't, but you do. Right? That That's where it, it, it goes back to where's the consistency. Mm-hmm. And then you look at a consistent reading of Scripture, and you come to the conclusion that God, whoever I call, whoever whoever God calls, I should just read the verse instead of trying to paraphrase. <laughs> just to but do that. all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, right? So you, you have that irresistible grace, God's effective call. It will happen. You will come to me. This is not a request. This is not a 60-day trial. Shout out Rick Warren. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. This is not a 60-day trial. You no longer have a choice. You are coming with me. Mm-hmm. And in that, what what do we get? We get God calling us, Christ sanctifying us, and the Holy Spirit keeping us until the last days. And going with that that last part, and, and the Holy Spirit keeping us to the last days, with this free will that we keep talking about, let's talk about security. I mean, I talked about it with the limiting atonement earlier. Where's the security if it's my choice? Mm-hmm. Where is that? Because if it's my choice, you know, I, Arminians then, people that believe, the, I'm just going to keep calling it the opposition. That's just better. The I opposition party. Me. The opposition party. Very British of you. So the opposition <laughs> always, or always, I'm never going to, I'm like, only Siths use absolutes. Um, <laughs> Isn't that an absolute? Yeah. Shut up. Obi-Wan knew what he was talking about, all right? Um, but... The security isn't there because if my if I'm the one that gets to choose that I'm saved, I can just the same way choose to not be saved anymore. Mm-hmm. Which I, I I hear it's frustrating because it goes in my family and um and it's like that. Well, they're once saved, always saved. You know, and well, you're starting to eat into our next. Our next I level. know, I, I know, but I'm just like it's just okay. Fine, just go. But before before, before we go we'll, in there, I, I want to jump in there. But with the Holy Spirit, the man is you know we're given a new heart. Yes, we are new creation. We are regenerated. We have a regenerated are, will. Yes, we are regenerated through Christ, and we are kept through the Holy Spirit. And few verses before we go into P, because I want to get there as well. <laughs> yes, um, Jeremiah thirty one, thirty three, and thirty four. This is the covenant that I will make with you. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and their sins will remember no more. Galatians 6.15, for the Lord Jesus Christ neither, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And the last one I want to read, if I can find it, ah, Deuteronomy 36, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all... I kept going. I, wow, I did. I did a. Uh, <laughs> I did a Yohamian comma right there. Um, Deuteronomy thirty six, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. 
Right. So the effectual call of Christ is just that. It effectively calls you from life, from death to life. Mm -hmm. And with that, you are kept by Christ Jesus in what some might call the perseverance of the saints, letter P. Let's get into it. All right, perseverance of the saints. I don't have another name for this one. We persevere. Nice. (laughs) We make it to the end. Yes. All those who are saved make it to the end. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, and it goes back again to John 6, where it says, all who the Father calls... Or all who the Father gives to me will come to me, right. and I will not give them out until the last days. Right, and, and then the... Uh, no, no, I will no, raise him on the last days. And no, no one can pluck them from my Father's hand, all those verses. I mean, we can go back to Romans 8.30, and those who, like I just read, whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he killed... Those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Glorified meaning to the end. We are at mm-hmm. the end... We are glorified with Christ and in heaven. The, the major point with the perseverance of the saints is that since it is not an act of human will of coming to Christ, of being saved, mm-hmm. it cannot be an act of human will to reject Christ. So there's, there's a lot of different verses um, that hold it up. John 10, 28 through 30, I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm -hmm. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand and I and the father are one. Hey, throw a little bit of a affirming the Trinity in there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) First John 2, 19 also goes into a lot of the issues that people bring up with perseverance of the saints about people who maybe they grew up in the church, they had a testimony, they maybe they were even baptized in the church, mm-hmm. and then they go out and they deconstruct and they throw everything that they uh, once knew away, and they no longer no longer profess Christ. And what First John two nineteen says is that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Yes, but they went out that they might become plain that they all are not of us. So very clearly in 1 John, it's saying that people might be with you, they might be professing Christ, they might be going out witnessing. And if you could find the exact verse and quote it directly of, you know, there are many who will come to me on the last day and say, have I not cast out demons in your name? Um, find that for me. Yeah, okay, gotcha. But um, <laughs> do the thing. Uh, but people will go and they'll say, Look, I did so much for Christ, and and they, they were they were on fire for the Lord. They they went to church camps, they led music, they did all this, but now they've just rejected Christ and they've gone away. So they they were saved then, but they're not saved now. No, what what the Bible clearly states is that is... they were not they were not saved. Hold on, I, sorry, I just messed that up. I could have just waited. I, I got to find the verse still. <laughs> I thought I had it, <laughs> but they they were not saved when they were with you working. And doing the things that that looked like spiritual works, works for Christ, works for the church, but they were never of us. They were never regenerated because if they were, they would never have turned away and thrown these things away. 
You, you still haven't found it yet? Uh, I got it. Good I job. Got, I got it. Okay, but I got it. The, the, the point I wanted to make with this verse is that there are people who will, in the last times, sound like this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Mm. And that new, I, I, I have done kind of, I mean, a semi deep, as much of a deep dive as Luke does into anything really, um, of this verse. The new part, like I never knew you. It's not saying Christ saying I don't know, like what what is your name? Like he's not saying that. It's the word comes from like a deep intimate relationship, like a really great friendship. Not not friendship. Like I said, it's it's way more. It's closer than a friendship. It, it is something where he just, he, you know, you are absolutely like you're one, one another are like inseparable and you have a, a relationship that is one of, I don't, I don't know another word to use besides intimate. So, um, but that's what that word means, new. It's not the, I don't know what Jeremiah's name is. It's, I have no clue about anything of, like, like I don't have like a relationship with you. You are not my bride. Right. Exactly. It's yeah. Ex- that's exactly right. And it's it, it, the best way to kind of go about it is like if some girl walks up to you and goes, but you know I I I we're pretty much married, and I'm like I'm I'm sorry I mm-hmm. I never knew you. That's it. I uh, I just never and, knew you. You I, know I, maybe this this won't go over as well with women as i'm thinking but the <laughs> never does it, if a, a woman could be very nice to me you know she could make me a sandwich you know make me food she could make you me you almost said sandwich <laughs> i almost did but you because i'm sandwich. having a sandwich for dinner but um no, that's nice, she could dude. Make what me kind food. of sandwich I don't, probably a chicken Ch- dude i hate ham sandwiches with a passion i used to eat what? ham sandwiches the ham that comes in those in the packages, I don't like it. Like the boar's head stuff, like when it's quality stuff, it's so good. Best best ham sandwiches is like leftover Easter ham, the honey ham, and you slice it okay, really. Hundred percent, I'd be down with that. But that's I'm good. talking like sandwich ham, like Black Forest cheap deli ham. Yeah, like yeah, that's, that's too salty. I, I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't. It has there's, a weird taste better. and a weird smell. And you should stop making honestly that. just a plain salami sandwich, salami with whatever else you want to put on there. No, hand, you don't need dude extra turkey stuff. sandwich after Thanksgiving Ooh. with some mayo, some some lettuce, some iceberg lettuce. Oh, so oh. good. Now, anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> Perseverance of the saints. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and women. <laughs> but if if a woman was, she might be doing all these great things for me. She might be buying me gifts. She might be helping with you know things around my house. She might be doing whatever. But if she's not my wife and she comes up to me and says, hey, we're married, I'm going to say, no, you are not my wife. I do not know who you are. Right. Right. That is the context. I have of- no. It's like, I again, you know what her name is. Mm-hmm. You know what she's done. Right. Because mm-hmm. these gifts. She might have done great things. But right. She's not my wife. But you don't know her. There's no intimate relationship. There's no deep connection between the two of you at all. There's just not. But mm-hmm. in her head, Maybe. This is a great lifetime movie you're talking about right it now. It is. We just made a Hallmark classic. <laughs> That's right, we did. That ends in wrath. Uh, <laughs> um, but with, with perseverance of the saints gets lumped in again with a lot of uh, a lot of other bad interpretations, 
And you hear people say it as once saved, always saved. Yes. That has a very negative connotation to it. It's it's very tongue-in-cheek yes. for a lot of people when they say that, um, especially with... I see it more in the Southern Baptist, you know, non-denominational, big Evo world. Of <laughs> non-denominational, just, just as fast as the extra steps. Just, so just pray a prayer and you'll be good. Get your fire insurance. Right, and, but I don't, maybe you see this too. A lot of times I find that the one saved, always saved crowd is, they're doing it as a, um, coping. a coping mechanism. For like kids, mm-hmm. so that's what's happening in my life. Not not my kids, my and and not like my. But you you've seen that happen. Yes, if with 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 family indirectly, and there the father is like, no, no, it's like my kids were saved when they were kids, like when they were younger, they were saved, mm-hmm. and and now that they've all completely, I mean, I have conversations with them where um, I actually just talked about it in the other episode, and my brother-in-law came and goes i know who you were talking about in that episode and i was like do you and he named the wrong brother but it's okay anyway but um but the but i'm sitting there where where their father is is like no no it's once saved always they they were saved when they were kids and um and so they're still saved but yet i'm having a conversation with your son where he goes you know to me you're one of the smartest people that i know Mm -hmm. and i can't understand why you'd ever believe this garbage and i'm sitting there going once saved, always saved. Isn't that to me? It's like a mockery of of what Christ did. That you could believe that someone that says something like that and talks the way that he talks. And of course, I'm not saying this like, and I hate him. Whatever. No, he's my brother-in-law. I pray for his salvation. I pray for them all the time. Any of them, I pray especially for them. And it's like, but to sit there as the dad, it's almost like a mockery to what Christ did. To then sit there and go. My unregenerate children who sit there and mock God and mm-hmm. talk about how stupid it is for people to believe and make a mockery of my prayers um, when when I'm praying for dinners and stuff like that, they're saved. Because once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. Com- to me, it's just a complete coping mechanism. And it's completely unbiblical. And it is very unbiblical. And again, it goes to back, back to that verse in 1 John right. where it's saying, they may have been with us at one time, but they're not anymore. Yeah, right. And what what they're doing is showing that they were never of us. And the fact that they turned around and are completely living unregenerate lives shows that they never were regenerated. Um, that mentality of I I, I use the phrase fire insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, just pray this <laughs> prayer, you'll get out of hell. Right. That was proliferated, especially in my childhood, and I think it still is. In a lot of places today, it, it is absolutely. We even had a, even unintentionally so. We had a friend that um, lived across the street from us uh, when we were younger. And my brother and I were witnessing, quote unquote, to him. And Aaron just goes, "Listen to po- go listen to Pokemon." Um, Aaron just goes in on. Uh, well, you know, let me read to you about what hell will be like, mm-hmm. and he starts opening up like Revelation. And starts like, to, I'm like, I'm sitting there like, what in the world are we doing right now? And then my, my neighbor's like, dude, I, I want to be saved. And I'm like, okay, well, you just pray this prayer. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went to children's church, thought we were so cool. Next, like, it was like the next day. And we're like, yeah, we brought our neighbor to Christ. And all the parents, oh my goodness, that's so crazy. Years later, um, that friend of ours, like, literally just comes up to, straight up to my face and was just like, yeah, I just, 
I don't believe in God. Like that, you know, you guys did that or whatever, but it just, it didn't, it's nothing. And I'm sitting there like, at that point, I think I was only, I was probably in my teens. So I wasn't well-versed in what we're talking about. I'm still not well-versed in as many listeners probably understand, but it was like, how, but isn't, he said it. Yeah. So how is it that he, how? Mm -hmm. But I, but then I also was like, well, that's, I mean, he can do that, but then how do you, Yeah. I don't know, how do you balance this? Like, how do, how would you reconcile this in your head? Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point with your own life where now you're back to the Roman Catholic view of, did I, did I do something that mm-hmm. maybe I'm not, I, I didn't do enough? I haven't, maybe I accidentally sinned, maybe I've done this, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And that's kind of where the Church of Christ is right now, where they have this view of every time they sin... They have to get rebaptized. You don't get rebaptized. You don't get saved. You have to. You, every sin, on, every, any any sin, any or is it like mortal sin? Do they have like a time hierarchy or scale yeah, of it? Okay. But it's for a lot of the more mainstream Church of Christ churches. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a lot of different. It's very varied, right? I'm not going to say every single person in the Church of Christ is like this. I'm literally going to clip that so you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't clip it. Um, but but they, they have that view of salvation where every time you sin, you have to redo it because it's it's man-centered. It's, it's man-centered religion, and all that does is heap rocks onto the shoulders of the believers. So that way now they're weighed down by this moralism that they can never overcome by themselves. Let's all just take a second and let's all just kind of close our eyes. Um, you can either Unless do that. you're driving. Yeah, don't do that then. Or, or just figuratively close your eyes. Let's imagine... Close your eyes, Jeff. A <laughs> Jeff. Let's imagine a Savior dies for our sin rises again on the third day and you are called by the Holy Spirit and you are completely secure in what he did because none of it is based on you whatsoever. Wouldn't that be such a great reality to live in? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's what we live in. So congratulations, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So why did you have us close our eyes? Uh, Just because I need need you to remember. I don't know. It was was quite relaxing, actually. I didn't have to look at you. But um, usually I'm looking off to the side anyway at this bench you have over here um when i talk to the people that's what i'm talking to is the bench you were the printer at my house where i go and i'm talking hey guys listen up and you i look, look down at the my print. like impact i, I look no, i look at the corner right there where the two uh two by fours or two by sixes meet and i'm just wondering like which one's overlapping the other like how are they overlapping and i don't want to know i don't want to know I'm, I'm, i never want to know now you know i don't want to I, I demonstrate it but that, but that's what it is. There, the security. Going back to what I was saying when Jeremiah told me I wasn't allowed to talk anymore because I was moving on to the next part. The security we have in Christ's death and resurrection is because it has nothing to do with us. That's why it's so secure. Our salvation has nothing to do with us. That's why it's so secure. Mm-hmm. If it has something to do with us, where we're making the decision. Like we just pointed out with, with even like people in my family, I'm sure a lot of listeners have people in their family. When the people, oh, I fell away from Christ. Oh, I deconstructed. I mean, because well, fell away is deconstructing. I mean, uh, you know, we want to come up with cool terms because they want to be the cool kids. Oh yeah, I decided to leave the quote, leave the faith. If the Holy Spirit called you, you wouldn't leave. 
You're not going to. You can't. It's impossible for you to leave. We persevere to the end. And so sitting here and saying, I made the decision. I came to, I found Jesus. I remember a guy, he probably wasn't, I don't know if he, if he was a Calvinist or not, but he uh, he was talking about his testimony, and I was, I think it was in college, and he said, you know, I, I found, no, no, I didn't. Christ came and got me, and that's exactly right. It's not, I found Jesus, which is this, it's such a popular, oh yeah, I, I, well, I found Jesus. And it's in that stupid song now that's running through my head um, by One Republic, I think. I have no idea. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it's it's not anything I do. And because of that, that's why we have the security. That's why we will persevere to the end. Because it's nothing to do with our actions or our decisions when it comes to our faith. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. There's there's another aspect of perseverance of the saints that mm-hmm. a lot of people point to that is similar to this, and it, it, I think it was the Epicurean um, belief was kind of what was popularized at the time, um, and that that's the classical way of referring to it, that because we're saved and because we will be preserved through Christ, now we have the liberty to do whatever we want, and that topic i i believe it is yeah it's epicureanism um go listen to pokemon christian liberty no epicurean is not a pokemon go listen to epicureans (laughs) that's not that's not an episode (laughs) (laughs) but yet this you know eat eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we Mm -hmm. die we may die mentality was talked about and referenced a lot through some of paul's writings especially you look at romans 6 what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So should we keep sinning because grace has abounded in our life, because we've been for- forgiven? What does Paul say? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ, who was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in newness of life. Well, are you sure it's Epicurean? I'm pretty sure. That's the... Because he was the atheist dude that taught people to seek the highest aim and pleasant and smooth life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that would... Okay. Yeah. I got, so okay. so okay. point yourself towards the highest goal, but enjoy yourself along the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the a, a belief. It, it may not have been called Epicureanism at the time. That's it, just the, the, it, but the mindset. Also, I but have. it's also one of like those sects of Stoicism. Yeah, it, it's what it is. Exactly. Because I I have read. I because I say it's him and Jocko Willink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Number fourteen. No, 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 Good. no, no. Chapter six. Simple. Simple. Doctor Jocko Willink. My head into is the too hornet's big nest. for any hat. Dude, his head is humongous. I can't talk. Though. I didn't realize that he has. Like, how, how do you grow the muscles on your head the way that he has grown his muscles? I don't actually know. I didn't know it was physically possible to do that. He does have, like, just, like, the weird thing with the forehead. It's like normally you call someone a meathead, and it's kind of derogatory, like, you know. But he is actually He a is meathead. a literal meathead. <laughs> he is a smart man, but he is a he – he, he could feed a family of four off of that. <laughs> 
Good. I don't even know what that means. Where are we? Okay. Lastly, first verse of saints, all those who are truly saved slash justified uh, will make it to the end of life in that manner, and they will be glorified. And that goes back to Romans 8, 30, which I read, I think, two times in this podcast. And for me, that's like the final thing that I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. If you got anything. No, I think I think we covered a lot of the contention that people have with it. Um, well, hold on. It's not time yet. Because remember, there's one more letter that I added. Oh, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how do we know? Where did, where did the conclusions of Calvinism or the Reformed faith come from? And what does it mean to be Reformed? It means to be a Biblicist. Mm-hmm. It means to follow what the Bible says. That's where the B comes from. I don't even know if that's the best letter to use for it. But basically what I'm saying with the the Bible is the foundation for this is that you need to understand this isn't just drawn out of, you know, John Calvin didn't reach into his massive beard and start plucking things out and say, oh, this is what I believe about this. This is what I believe about this. No, these are foundational truths that are found in the Bible. You can go back to Augustine and see this. And if you want to get real controversial, you can look at the Bible and see what the Bible says. That's why we kept quoting Paul and Peter and John and Jesus, and we were quoting Moses in the Old Testament, right? Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of these. You could go to the Psalms and see the resounding glory and sovereignty of God that David wrote about, that, that the Jews still sing about to this day right? It was part of their psaltery. With with all of that said, the Bible is where this comes from. And a lot of people look at Calvinism as a, a completely separate religion sometimes. Yes. They look at it as some wacky way of viewing things that some guy in France came up with, and, you know, no one really believes that it's insane. Well, one, now... The, the reformed tenets, the reformed uh, view of scripture is having a bit of a resurgence as well, especially in the U.S. It Mostly is. because people are looking for like objective mm-hmm. truths and they then the milk toast garbage of mega churches and mm-hmm. things like that are just not playing well with this generation whatsoever. But but even with the resurgence, the, the reformed doctrine has never been, or, 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 or the Reformed doctrine is hard to swallow. I'll put it that way. It's a difficult pill to get down because you have to deny so much of yourself to get to where it gets to. And I am not saying, well, look at me. I denied so much of myself that I'm now here. So, so holy. <laughs> so humble, right? No, I'm saying that right. even I wrestle with a lot of the stuff in this i think most people we do yeah we don't just look at it and go oh yeah like you're just a bunch of pansies like you know it's hard (laughs) you guys suck or whatever no it's a hard thing to grasp it's a hard thing to swallow and of course it would be you know it's a human reaction to say Mm -hmm. well that can't be true that's not my god that's not the god i follow yeah and so what the foundation of this is, is going and looking at not what my heart is saying, not my own interpretation of the text, but what is the text saying? What does the Bible say? And I use the term biblicist 
carefully and precisely because a lot of people don't like that term either. But I would call myself a biblicist. I don't care what if if John MacArthur is being or John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, Paul Washer, uh, John Calvin. Augustine, Athanasius, any of these people, if they are contradicting what the Bible says, I don't want that. Right, and a lot of the things with Reform, though, the catechisms, the confessions, all those things, they're not at war with the Bible. They're not at war no. with Scripture, which is, you know, a biblicist, right, people will be like, well, that that's, that's yes, obviously Jeremiah's not saying he is a biblicist, like in the, I guess, the traditional way of things. He's saying he looks at the Bible— if it's not there or the opinion is it as at odds with what's in the Bible, then no, you're wrong, and I don't care who you are. You can be anyone you want, including Billy Graham, one of Jeremiah's idols. And um, don't, don't. <laughs> it, my, my point in saying all of that yeah. is the foundation for all of it is the Bible. With that said, though, how about it's a how about a how about a stroke? <laughs> How about a Luke's list? So many sound effects. And this list. What happened to the air horn? I like the air horn. It was Uh, simple. There's an air horn. I know, but why don't you just... Okay, yeah, I know. All right, so this list comes to us from Soteriology 101. Ooh, Leighton Flowers. Okay. Eric Kemp. No, sorry. By Drew... I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Is it Pearson? No, it's not. You wish it was. All right. What does that mean? So these are five reasons why I stay out of Calvinism. Sorry. And you know you know what they say about soteriology 101 it's always unbiased and always accepts you know that it's always straightforward with their arguments and totally non-biased because Leighton Flowers was a Calvinist at one point even though he has no idea what Calvinism actually teaches. <laughs> well, with that great introduction I guess we'll go into the list. All right, number 1, the plain texts weren't plain. How can anyone read this particular passage, which is 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4? This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. How can anyone read this particular passage without concluding that God wants every single individual to come to faith? Hold on, I'm reading the rest of that. Okay. This is good, and it is pleasing. Who desires all people to be saved? All right. Here, here again. Didn't we talk about this last week? It's we between did. the desire of God, yes, and the actual action of God. The, the his. I, I always forget the terminology. Yes, because you said it, and it was like sounded really cool, and then you're like, well, let's just go to like plain words. <laughs> but he has his desires. What he. Wish not what he wishes, but his desires. You know, he he desires that no one should perish. He desires that all would come to Christ, and then he has his 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 will. Mm-hmm. This is what will be done, and the will is you will go to Egypt so that many people are saved. Mm-hmm. Saved many people are saved alive. Joseph talking about Joseph. His desire 
is that the Amorites would not perish, even though they were all destroyed, right? There, there's differences between his desire and his will. That's all you got for him? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Everything's cool. Number two, Calvinism excludes the Old Testament. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Genesis 25, 23. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you ask, how have you loved us? Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother? This is the Lord's declaration. Even so, I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. I turned his mountains into a wasteland and gave his inheritance to the desert jackals. Though Edom said, we have come, we have been devastated, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of armies says this. Um, they may build, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked courtyard. The people of the Lord has cursed forever. Your own eyes will see this, and you yourselves will say, the Lord is great even beyond the borders of Israel, Malachi 1, 2 through 5. Under what circumstances would you conclude that either of these passages are speaking with specific reference to God's special salvific favor upon the individual Jacob, or his irrevocable hatred towards Esau. In fact, Genesis 33, Esau runs to the embrace to and embraces his deceitful and treacherous brother Jacob, a lot like the father generously, graciously welcoming the prodigal son in Luke 15. Therefore, why would Paul be quoting this passage out of context in Romans 9 to talk about God's plan to save Jacob and damn Esau before they were born or done anything good or bad? I'm sorry. That's just so much. I'm. I'm. I. I so, look. This is the first list I could find past the list. No, I no, no. Found. That's fine. So that's that's fine. I'm trying it, to, it's yeah. not a bad list. I'm just the. the it's arguments, a lot of yeah. The arguments that he's making are are long winded, yeah. which I I I'm okay with, but I'm still trying to process everything he's saying just from hearing it. Now, the the beginning point is that he is claiming Calvinism prioritizes the New Testament and it ignores the Old Testament, right? That's what he's trying yes. to say. That's yes, what he's trying to say, yes. But then he says, well, look at this part of the New Testament that Calvinists point to as an example that Christ, ha- that, that God has been the same throughout all time, Paul using it to demonstrate God's divine will, his election, his calling of people, is used is used by Paul in the New Testament in Romans to show this is the way that God has always been, right? And just like the Israelites were called, the Jews, Jewish people were called mm-hmm. by God, now God has opened that call to the Gentiles in the fulfillment of the law, right? It's consistent. And also, Calvinism relies on the Old Testament because... I had I would not know grace if it were not for the law. My that's there there is no understanding of Christ outside of the conviction from the law. Mm-hmm. So you need both. I don't I I have never seen that argument before, especially because so much of what the New Testament quotations are, they're like maybe twenty percent of New Testament quotations come from 
New Testament authors quoting the Old Testament and recontextualizing it, for lack of a better term, saying, hey, you remember this part? Yeah, this is what this means. Right. Number three, Calvinism reads onto Scripture unwarranted individualization. Oh, do not. Okay, no, you don't need to read any more of that, because I will not have an Arminian tell me that the Calvinistic viewpoint is taking eisegesis too far. When you when the Arminian can look I mean, I just at Romans eight, thinking. nine, and ten, That's fine. I'm sorry. and ahead. actually read it, if you can actually read John six and come away with your viewpoint still intact, I, I don't understand where you are coming from accusing the consistent reformed doctrine of eisegesis. That's that that one. That is offensive, and that is that. That <laughs> is offensive. I can't that even read. Is, that is written specifically for people to go in and say, "Why shouldn't I be a Calvinist? Why should I dislike Calvinists?" Oh, here's soteriology 101. And what do they have to say? Oh, Calvinists are eisegetical. Yeah, we'll take that and we'll we'll run with that. We're not going to do any more research. It's, all that is for is for cementing people in their bias, not challenging them on it. Right, number four, Calvinism is unfalsifiable. Unfalsifiable? Unfalsifiable. A common refrain among Calvinists is something like, you just don't understand Calvinism, or if you only understood, you'd believe what we believe. I submit that the reason so few understand Calvinism is that Calvinism is often unintelligible and ultimately unfalsifiable. This is because Calvinism makes many clear scriptures scriptures unintelligible and contradictory. After all, if God chose Jacob for the salvation and rejected Esau before he was born, as the Calvinists believe he does so with billions more today, then what? Then in what meaningful way does God love the world or desire that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth? That... Are there definitely Calvinists who just shut down argumentation because of, or or say, oh, well, you just don't understand it? Yes, because people? that's literally the default for almost every single argument if you can't really defend it because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm not going to say that people don't do that. But at the same time, when you're making a bad argument because you don't understand what we're saying— then yes, we're going to say you don't understand what's going on. And I can say, coming from Soteriology 101, especially with um, with Leighton Flowers, all you have to do is watch him debate any number of Calvinistic preachers or doctors or whoever, and you can see he doesn't understand what he's talking about. So... Would I say that to certain people? Yes. Uh, is there a better way to say that than, oh, you just don't understand? Yeah. You can say, well, have you thought about it like this? You know? You, 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 it, I just think he doesn't understand. All right, just, number five. Maybe good, I don't understand. The good news was only good for some. Since God's kindness leads us to repentance, Romans 2.10, rather than his holy justice or wrath, 
I believe it is the utmost importance to preserve the good in the good news for everyone. The good news of Jesus is being able to look any person in the eye and say, God loves you, wants you to be saved, and send his son Jesus to die for your sins so that you could be saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. Calvinism, with its irresistible grace and limited atonement, cannot affirm this previous statement. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Yes, I can. I can affirm that. God loves you? Yes. He wants you to be saved? Yes, I can affirm that. And he sent his son to die for your sins. This, again, goes to the nature versus the extent. All of those things are true. Everyone can be saved. Will everyone be saved? No. But, I mean, but again, where is your security then in the way that you're talking about this, where it's like we can just choose by our will to be saved? I, I don't... But then also, again, why is believing in irresistible grace and limited atonement, why can't I affirm the the previous statement? Maybe... Because it's like, are we looked at as monsters? Because we're just like, hey, I'm sorry that it's truthful, but God, in his sovereignty, chose who will be saved, and it doesn't really matter what you think, and so because we're monsters for thinking that, or for believing that because it's scriptural, then it's we're not allowed to think that God loves you? Maybe I'm, I missed the part in Acts where Peter walks up to them and says, hey, you know, Jesus loves you just the way you are. And you know what? You really ought to consider um, leaving what you're doing. I know that you you love your temple sacrifices and all this. You should really consider leaving that and coming and you know trying out Christianity for a little bit. Come follow the way. Let's uh, maybe let's do that. No, what I do remember is uh, is Peter looking people in the face and saying, "Repent and believe the gospel." And I remember Stephen telling them to repent and believe the gospel and then being thrown into a rocky pit and stones being lobbed at his head until he was crushed to death. Yep. I I, I don't remember the... Going up and saying God loves you. Yeah. But again, now, but but my thing is, can can you affirm that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I, so... I, I, that, can, but that's, I can affirm that... Why, why can't we affirm that? Well, hold on. What, what, what do you mean by affirm? I can, I can say, I can look at people and I can go up to anyone on the street, and I can say, I can go through the gospel, I can walk through the Romans road with them, I can tell them about their condition, I can get them to a point where I can tell them to repent and believe. But if you just walk up to someone and say, hey, Jesus loves you, what are you accomplishing? Nothing. But that's what I'm saying, though, but can I affirm those things? Yes. Is that going to be the way that I'm going to lead someone to Christ? I don't... Jesus loves you, okay? Mm-hmm. It's Thank you. I mean... Uh, there, there's there, no, there is no command of the gospel right. in that statement. All it is is wishy-washy, mealy-mouthed sawdust on the floor. And that's my list. That's it. Only four points. That was five. Oh, there was five. That was I kind of, I kind of blacked out there for a minute. Yeah, no, uh, you, went, <laughs> you went zero once, dark once, thirty on. Yeah, me. he he accused. Yeah, no, I he did accused not like you he one too many Jesus. times. All right. Anyway, this concludes the episode on Calvinism, and we got through blip, or lip B, today. Um, next week, we'll be doing Calvinism, and if I can get to our we're kinda, text message. We're going to be looking at this point for everyone who may not be on board with what we're talking about. We are going to talk about the uh, historical and modern misuses 
Yes. Of how Calvinism has been misused will be next week's episode. Because, like we talked about, there is none righteous. And even the people who affirm some of what we say may take it a bit too far, may take it out of context, may not understand it and misuse and mistreat. And it's not, and I'm not going to talk about how I just know everything about Calvinism. Like, come on. Like, I go talk to a pastor, um, reformed in any sort of way, shape, or form. I'm just going to look at myself and go, wow, I don't know anything um, because I'm a layman and I am, I'm just going to say, I'm just new to all this, I guess. You're a noob. I mean, I'm new here. I'm the new guy, um, pretty much, of this podcast. Where can people find us, Jeremiah? You can find us on Instagram at TikTok at First Off You're Wrong. Did you know that TikTok now is telling us that we need to be doing landscape over a minute, and then they're going to boost your views because of it? Like, they're actually telling you, hey, we're going to boost them because of that. I downloaded TikTok once, like, four years ago, and then deleted it the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they also they said that if you do podcast um, clips, they're not going to boost your views. So I was going to wow. take a shot at it, but they just don't like us. Anyway, good going. Where else can they find us? <laughs> you can email us at contact at first off you're wrong. Make sure you spell your right. You can find us on X at F underscore O underscore Y. Y underscore W. I dropped my Pepsi Zero Sugar Max Taste. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but you already knew that. And with that, the most important thing that you all learned today is that first off, you're wrong. Bye-bye.